0: The Eri B-Sit edition, an audio series of the Talmud Bavli. Yod. Today's is being studied in the Abraham ben Esther. Ruhu Hashem begin aiden. Today's is being studied in the Bible, where Eliyahu Hayim ben and Sophia. Vehin yerasul v'nomar, amen. We begin today's daf on Daf Yud, and we begin right on the top line. And the Gemara begins. Tana Rabanan. We have a brayta. Eris Yisrael nevreit techila, ve'chol ha'olam kulo nebra lebasof. Shne emar. Ad lo asa eres le The first statement of the al is that Eretz Israel was created first and then the rest of the world was created thereafter. The Gemara substantiates it from a pasuk, and imar. Ad lo asa eres. First he created the eres and then chussot. <laughs> chussot are the outskirts of Eretz Israel which is the rest of the world. Yomala then says, Erez Yisrael will follow our text, you know the Bach, he puts some of these statements in a different order, we'll just read in our text. Eretz Yisrael mashke otah hakados baruchu ve'atzmo ve'chol ha-olam kulo al yede shaliyah shene emar hanoten matar al pene Ares, ve'sholey Ma'im al pene husot. The Gemara says that Eretz Israel, God gives the rain directly. However, when it comes to the rest of the world, God sends the rain, Al-Yedesh Shaliyah, through a messenger, through an angel. The Gemara substantiates it from the Pasukah No-10. He is the one that gives Matar Al-Pene Ares, that's Eretz Israel, the Shaliyah. Because he sends Mayim al Hutzot, that is on the outskirts. Well, the Benishai over here asks a an obvious question. We learned right in the beginning of the Massehir on that bit about the keys. That there's three keys that God doesn't give to a Shaliyah. One of those keys is the key of the rain. Now you're telling me that the rest of the world receives their rain. What happened? I thought the key of rain is not given over. So he says like this. <laughs> There's two stages in the rain. First the clouds, they receive from the upper waters. That's according to Rabbi Yoshua, right? The war, the clouds go up. And they open up themselves, and God unloads water from Mayim Elyonim into the clouds. That initial pouring from the Mayim Elyonim into the clouds, that's the key that we're talking about that's not given over. Then we said the clouds become like a sieve. In order to split up the drops of rain into indi- individual drops, once the clouds are loaded up, Isleyel, God Himself moves the clouds, let's say, towards the Israel and causes them to shower. However, the other rest of the world, the sheliyah then takes over at that point and takes the clouds and brings them to the So the Maftayah is the initial unloading of maim and yonim into the clouds of the shammim, according to the Benish ish mm-hmm. Next statement: shota matar al V'shoteiach ma'im al Penechotzot, That's the end of pasuk. Literally means here that the land of Israel is Shote drinks megishemim, actual rains, the actual rains. You get the the first, the pure rains, and the rest of the world is drinking what's called tamsit. Tamsit is like the, the leftovers or the residual. What's left over for the rest of the world, so that's what the, uh, the rest of the world gets. And the Gemara proves this. Which means the real matar, the rain, that's in Ezra Israel. The rest of the world doesn't get matar. You get what's called maim, which is actually the leftovers, whatever Yisrael whatever doesn't get. So the residuals go to. Uh, obviously, you have to say there's a uh, some sort of difference. Between uh, between the two, comes the Gemara and continues. Eris Israel shoteh tahila vechol ha'olam kulo lebasof. Shnei amar anotin matar apene Eris, which means Eris Israel gets the first rains; they drink first, and then the rest of the world gets rains. And the Pasukah substantiates it by saying, matar al aris. First the artist gets the matar, and then sholeach, maim al chutzot, and the rest of the world gets the rains. That she says, That's where the rains uh, fall uh, first. We're learning it uh, quite literally. Okay. He says, "He Rashi pieres shakavanah shebe'eret she'sir yordim geshemim l'fnei kol ha'olam, but Harashba bi'er shakavanah kaan shebe'eret she'sir no'tentat ikar berkat geshemim v'tor'et sheb'hem." Meaning, they get first rights to all the blessings that are invested in the in the rains. The ilu geshemis ha'olam ina mevorachim u'mo'adim kol And the rest of the world gets the second batch, which let's say doesn't have as much birakah and benefit in them. Today you see the value of Eris Yisrael. It says the Ikar, so therefore they get the first range, the choice reigns, the blessed range, and everybody else gets after. Comes the Gemara and continues. All these benefits that we said that Eris Yisrael has over Hustah is regarding the rains would be analogous to a fellow He's making cheese What does he do? When you're making the cheese so you have the okhel that's the cheese that you want to keep and it seems in the process there's psolat there's not edibles so what you do is you take the okhel and you leave the psolat now what does this have to do with the, the rains? So over here, the Maharisha explains, <laughs> This Mashal alludes to the three points that we just said in the Braita. <laughs> First, you have a fellow that is actually preparing and making the cheese. <laughs> Which is the main thing. The cheese is the main thing. <laughs> So too, Eretz Yisrael was created first. V'notelet ta'okhel tehillah, he takes the food first. Kach Eretz Yisrael shotat tehillah, just like Eretz Yisrael drinks first. V'notelet ta'ikhar, kach Eretz Yisrael m'kabelt ta'ikhar gashemim, u'maniyah t'b'solet. Kach HaKadot Baruch Hu maniyah t'b'sit a'gashemim, shemashkilt ta'olam, l'shaliyah. Which means, notelet ta'okhel, u'maniyah t'b'solet, for shaliyah to take. So therefore, he takes the orchim. It's like God brings the rain specifically for Israel then He leaves the psalit for what? For somebody else to take the psalit away. That means it's done. Are you there? That means uh, uh, all these things are alluded in this mashal. Amar more we learned above. be'avim. So we learned according to the Be'eri Aizir. We said what? We said that the clouds actually come from the oceans the rain water and the rain water goes up and goes into the clouds so to be a sure on them but then we see that the waters are salty, are not salty they're not miluchim, if they're coming from the uh, oceans they should, be... they should be salty so she just to make a point, that she on uh, the Amud Bet, remember when it says uh, we see that they're not miluchim look at that Rashi for a moment That she says In the Buddha Matheel? yeah, the Yeah. In Tebu'a Gedulah Correct. It's, uh, I guess maybe 15, 20 months. Later. Right. Melukhinhen. So, so what do you mean? But the waters of the ocean are Melukhin. So that she says, the Tebu'a And Mehen? Uh, and cannot grow from that. That was the question of Yeshua asked on the Bili Azzer. So if you keep the egg over here, it's the question on Nashi, lives in Sariq why did she have to say the Just let him say, and we see that what we see when the rain comes down, it's not salty. Why did she have to go? He's, he's still supporting the question of be with the waters of the Geshemim are minuchim. What's the question? But when we, and we know that the salty waters cannot cause wheat to grow. When we see uh, the wheat grows, ask okay. a simpler question, Nashi. she Just very simple that the waters of the ocean are maluah. And Pukaze, when the rain comes down, it's not salty. Forget about whether it causes the wheat not to grow or not. He leaves it in a sederi uh, kiyum. In any event, here the says Amar Mor. So we learned above me matikinen be'avim minale. How do you know that? How do you know that? How do you know this fact? Meaning based on pisulkim be'amar bar Yosef Amar Rabbi. Yohanan Ketiv We have one pasuk that says mayim Ave shahakim. Which means the darkness Of the water From the uh, clouds Shahakim, in the heaven Uhti, We have another pasuk that says Hashrat mayim Ave Shachakim." Hashrat is like a sieve That the water in the clouds The clouds serve as a Sieve. So one person is talking about Hashkat, the darkness, meaning the darkness maybe of the clouds. And one talks about the Hashrat, the fact that it is a seed. So make me mind, is it Hashkat or is it Hashrat? So the Gabbara says, it's both. Shekol kaf, take the kaf of Hashkat, v'shadeh arish, and put it next to the resh of Hashrat, v'karibe haksharat. And now you have a new word, haksharat. Now, the Maharsha points out that the het and the he in Hebrew are interchangeable. So therefore, it's as if the pasuk says haksharat. What is haksharat? To prepare, to make, to make fit. And therefore, we see what haksharat ma'im, the preparation of the water, aveshar happens in the clouds. How does the clouds prepare the water? They sweeten it means it takes out the salt and makes it sweet. So it's a combination of hashkat and hashlat. Now look at Rashi Uvira. She gives us the dynamics of this Dirashah. Hashlat Maim ve Hashchat Maim Shnei miklaot in Had beteilim ve Had beshmuel One in telim One in Sefer Shemuel Shekol kaf Veshadeh adesh Miklomar kah kaf Shbe hashkat. Take the kaf of the word hashkat. I put it in the... Uh, add, it the add it to the word hashrat. As we said, it prepares it. Tosfot over here has a different understanding of this derasha. Tosfot on the top says, same thing, take the khaf, put it next to the dish but he understands, it seems, that it'll come to the word haksharat. Uh, the khaf and the kof are also interchangeable. So therefore, read it. <laughs> that the rain becomes tied or attached into the clouds, and then he just says, after they become attached into the clouds, eventually they become sweetened. It's not so clear from Tosfot where exactly you see the sweetening uh, factor. In Lashi, it's clearly hacharat. It's mukshar, It becomes uh, it becomes fit. Becomes zauy, whereas to zafot, it's more he's learning haksharat with a kof, meaning you're linking them together. You're linking the the rains with the clouds. Where exactly do you see anything about the uh, mematekin uh, that uh, does not seem uh, so evident? Comes the says, "Verebi Yoshua behani k'da'e may darishbeu." have to explain to Yoshua. Because Rabbi Yeshua says that the clouds, you don't need them to sweeten the rains. Because he says the rains come from the Maim Elyonim. They're sweetened already. So what does he do with these Pesukim? Savar la kiha. When Ravdimi came from Eretz Yisrael, Amari said, They say in Eretz Yisrael, Nehor anane. When you have light clouds, Nehor clouds that are so light that the sun is able to penetrate through them so then you have a, a small amount of, uh, of rain it's not going to produce a lot but when the clouds are darkened then the rain that comes out of them is going to be substantial now where did you learn that from? Hashrat So look at Hashi Hashukh anane Sagian Mim V'anu Diktiv Mayim Good When it says Hashkat Mayim Which means When you have The darkening Of the clouds Then already Mayim Is going to be A substantial amount Of Mayim Okay Nehor Anane Now You don't need Another Pasuk From the same Pasuk of Hashkat Mayim You're able To learn the, 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 The Implication so, if you tell me when the clouds are darkened, there's a lot of rain. But imagine when the clouds are lightened, there's going to be less rain. So everything is really learned from Hashrat. When you have Nehor Anane, or you have Hashuk um, Anane. Oh, so now we have the Pasuk Hashrat Mayim available. Because that's opened. What is the Mu'a learned from Hashrat Mayim? What we learned on Tet Amud Bet. That the clouds form a sieve. That's Hashrat Mayim, so the drops are able to fall individually. So really, this whole dirasha is from Hashrat Mayim, mm-hmm. from the explicit and the implicit. And then Hashrat Mayim is open for the dirasha of the kebarah. Now, let's read that in Mashik. when you have a light cloud, zi'iran memohi, umihlal Hashukh sagi'im, implying. From the implication of when it's dark and you have a lot of rain, atalamed you could learn aval neor zaydin. That when it's light clouds, it's going to be a little rain. The hashrat nashon hashara ke mo enshurin dio. Kid derishter biosu al rain. Aval hashkat mevain neshachiul hashi hashkat you need for both neshachiul hashi and hashkat is uh, like enshurin. Uh, Shurin literally means uh, to soak. To soak, as if the it seems when you soak the uh, uh, you soak it in 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 uh, the uh, the ink, putting something in it, uh, so to the water gets soaked into the clouds, and that causes the clouds to separate the body of water into different parts called raindrops. Keman azla, the Gemara continues. The following statement: Who's it going? Like haditanya, my my the upper waters they are suspended in midair in God's word and the uh, their fruit their fruit is what? the fruit is, of these waters is rain from the fruits of your creation to ha'aris the land will become satiated that she says perotem megishmim the fruit of that water in the heavens is what's called rain mishum lestad dekanakati mishum dechtiv perim asekha tospa ha'aris uperotem ki lo mar mez'ata that she says handu sovir the upper waters never diminish the rains that come from the upper waters just come from the ze'a of the waters, mm-hmm. the sweat of those waters. She'en klum. They themselves remain intact. So the reservoir in the heaven stays where it is, and you're just getting a za'ah, they call it. Sweat. peleg That peleg, that uh, box we called it, in the heaven, mayim. It's constantly filled with water. That, right the principle always remains but the fruit that comes from that and uh, shamaim is the rain itself now who, who, all this type of uh, talk who's it going like kiman it be cuz Yeshua says that the whole world enjoys from my melionim or is it? Or is it it says that the rains come from the uh, from the oceans. Mm-hmm. He says no. He says this pasuk over here is talking about the creations of a kadosh baruch Hu, not specifically the the rains. Stamma, the pasuk says, um, or when the breita says, my ma'anyonim b'ma'amal or when the pasuk says, "I'm sorry, maasecha from the fruit of your labor of your creations, tisbaharis." That's talking about the maasecha that baruchu. That what the baruchu who created the world, and from his creation he sustains the world. Nothing to do with the rains coming from the uh, upper world uh, down to this world. Stop, mepiri from the fruits of your creation, tisbaharis, uh, which means. Uh, Actually, according to Be the Isaiah, learn it like this. that's ma'asecha, that's from the water that you created, to spawn you say, shape the world. But who's not the where the water comes from. The water uh, comes from uh, the oceans. So from the creation, that be is uh, learning. from the fruit of the rain. From the fruit of the water, from the za'ah of the water, of the Ilionim, that already comes the Tuzbaharis. It's really simple. From the creation, your, what's your creation? Mm-hmm. Creation is the water. Tuzbaharis. Where the water come from? Whoever it comes from. It comes from the my uh, tahtonim, comes from the oh. from the oceans. It doesn't make the Dilasha. That's coming from the uh, <laughs> Shama'i. Good. Abba Rabbi Yoshua bin Levi. Rabbi ben Levi says, According to this, really all the rains are a residual that come from Gana'idin. The rains all emanate from Gana'idin. So there was a river that goes through Gana'idin. And therefore, everything starts from Gana'idin. That's where the rains begin. And anything that the world drinks... That's actually a Tamsit from... Is this the same Rehoshua? No, 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 this is the of ben Levi. Yeah. Tana, Metamsit Bet-Kur Shoteh Tarkab For me, a Tamsit of a Bet-Kur a Bet-Kur is a certain size a person, the, the world will drink a Tarkab which is three Kav Now what does this mean? Look at Rashi Let's read Rashi, Tana mit Tamseed Betkur, Kli, Shemashkin bimimav Betkur, A vessel, That can fit enough water in it, To sustain a Betkur, Yecholim laashkot bit Which means, In the residual, From that bucket, Shijur at tarkav, Shijee achat mishishim bebetkur, Which means, Tarkav is three kav, Tar, Tere, Kav, Two and one kav, A Bet kur is 180 uh, kav. So therefore, you see, it's actually 60 times. When you have 60 times the amount of water, right, in that uh, bet kav, Mm -hmm. that, from the tamseet of that, from what comes out of that waters, it's able to uh, irrigate three kavs. You need 60 kav, 180 kav water or actually the amount of water that can sustain 180 kav uh, area betkur that residual from that water will be able to sustain three kav 60. so it's 60 times 60 times bigger to sustain uh, the uh, the shi'ur <inaudible> <inaudible> as she says <inaudible> Gan is 60 times greater than the world. So therefore, the waters of Gan are able to sustain the world. Because it's a six, one to six, 60 to 1 ratio. In size. Right, in mm. Gan Eden is 60 times greater than the world. And therefore, just like you're telling me, that a Betkur can sustain a Tarkav, 180 calves, the residual from that could sustain 3 calves. So you see, 60 to 1 ratio. So too, the waters of Eden, which we just said, Nahari Yutsi Eden, could sustain the world, because actually Eden is 60 times the world. And now we'll see that in the Gemara. <clears throat> the Gemara says. Correct. Now the Gemara says. Tara Rabbanan. Misraim. Havya, dalid me'ot parasa, al Dalad me'ot parasa. Eres was 400 parasa by 400 parasa. That's the size. Vehu, ehad meshishim be'kush. That is 60 times greater than kush. Kush is Ethiopia. So Egypt in size is, third, or could be Ethiopia. We call it Eris kush because it's actually a mahluk. It could be India, exactly. V'kush, <laughs> Echad Mishishim, Ba'ulam. Kusht is 60 times greater than the entire world. The world is 1 60th of Kush. Ve'ulam, Echad Mishishim, Be'gan. The world is 1 60th of the size of Gan. There's Gan Eden, there's two pots. So the gan of Eden is sixty times greater than the world. The gan a hat mishishim ne'eden, and the gan is actually sixty times greater than Eden. The Eden a hat mishishim ne'geinam, and Eden is sixty times greater than geinam. Nimsa kol ha'olam kulo ke kisui ke deral geinam in, in relation to the size of the world to the size of Gehinam. Gehinnam is humongous is hundreds of times greater than the size of the world and therefore it comes out that the world is nothing but a pot cover over Geinam, which means the pot is humongous and the world is just like a Kisui and someone is saying Geinam has no shi'ur the Eshumrim Eden and Nashi'ud. That Eden does not have a Shi'ud. Uh, the Mefarshim uh, explained because the Gemara said the Aedin A had Mishishim Correct? Eden is I mean, 60, times, sixty times uh Aidan Mahad Mishishim is uh, 60, uh 60, times. sixty times greater than uh is sixty times. No, it's one sixty. No, <laughs> so now, so now Gainam doesn't have anything to compare it to, which means that Gainam is what? Well, geinam is the the end of the infinite. Uh, it's infinite. So it doesn't have anything to compare it to. A Gainam is sixty times greater than than what? So That's what means geinam So There's nothing to to compare it to, and some say the in the shiur so let's review that again. You have Eris Mislaim is four hundred parsa by four hundred parsa. That's sixty times greater than kush. Kush no, is 160 yeah, It's one sixty by Okay, we'll say again. Iris mislaim have yet dalad mod parsa, more parsa. Du wahat kush which is kush is greater. 160th. sixtieth, sixty times, right? It's the same thing. Well, it depends what's, what you're looking at. If you're looking at Islam, or you're looking at Kush. So when the Gemara says, uh, it is 1 of Kush. Okay. The Kush, sixtieth <laughs> <laughs> yeah. of the world. Right, so the world is obviously bigger. Times, right? <laughs> it has to be Where that the uh, right? world is not It's <laughs> obvious. The ulam a hat mishishim began, and the world is one sixtieth of ga'an Ga'an is tremendous. The Gan, a hat mishishim The ga'an is one sixtieth the size of Eden. the Eden, and Eden, a hat mishim, the Gainam so Gay Nam is humongous, like we said. Nimsa Koda, Gay Nam exactly the comparative to the size of the world. Gainam is so big that the world becomes like a pot cover to Gainam. Amar of Oshaya. My dichtif. What does it mean in the following Pasuk? Pasuk says Shohant Al Mayim rabbim. The one that rests on plenty waters, Rabat Otsarot, right? It has many treasuries. Yes. Babel Shiyu bar? What caused the country of Babel that its treasury, that its storage houses should be filled with wheat? Because it rests on Mayim Rabim. Right, it's in the it's in the lower lying areas, Ravim. Right, it's by the Euphrates. It's by the water there. So therefore, since it's resting by the waters, so therefore its treasuries, its storage houses are filled with wheat. So again, Shochant al Ma'im because it rests on Ma'im Ravim, Rabat Otsarot it has much um, wheat in its storage houses. Amar Rav Atira Babel. The Bible is very rich. Mm-hmm. They're able to reap wheat from their fields without even rains. The ground is so fertile with water, even without a rain, they're able to already reap the wheat. <coughs> we have a rule. And she understands this, that this is a continuation to what we just learned. He hasn't got to say detubane, because Babel is in a low area, mm-hmm. so the water is able to collect in the low valley, yeah. and the swamp area, and therefore, it is detubane, it is a moist, fertile land, low yubshane, and it is not dry. So, no, this, this is just a, a statement that people used to say, that if you have a choice... To live in a certain place, choose the tubane velo yubshaneh. Look at those mutav liot beereshi lacha better to live in a fertile land than to live in a dry land. Tubaneh velo yubshaneh. Okay. Now we should. Uh, <coughs> You should just analyze over here, when it says, Olam, mm. Echat you meshishim Be'gan. Now we said, the world is one-sixtieth of Gan, and Gan is one-sixtieth of Eden. There's two things, there's the Gan, and there's, there's Eden. Okay? Eden being bigger than Gan. Bashi Katav, She'a Olam, Echat Mishishim Be'gan. They had Gan, Echat Mishishim Be'edin. We brought a pasuk, We said that the rains actually come from where? From Eden. It seems that we're drinking from the waters of Eden. So how can the Gavara say that the world is one sixty the size of Gan? It's really one sixty the size of Eden, Based on what we said. Cause didn't we say that the ratio of the waters is uh, sixty to one? Now you're telling me that really it's, it's, it's much more. Because now you're telling me that uh, the world drinks from Eden. Eden, okay, that's what, but it's not sixty anymore. you tell me the world is one-sixtieth of Gan. So he says, He says, <laughs> So what say, when we say the world in relation to Gan and Eden, it's both. I mean, Gan and Eden together, so the world is one sixtieth of it. The are Gan at small, and Gan itself, who Ehad had mishishim Eden. Gan itself is one sixtieth of Eden. Put Gan with Eden, and then the world is one sixtieth of that. The Yotseir, it comes out of the world is a fifty-ninth of Eden uh, without the gun. So you add the gun and you get the 60th. Without the gun, it's a 59th. So that's the way they come out to make this uh, this Hajbor, only to keep Rashi uh, consistent <laughs> because he said uh, above that the waters are coming of the Gibraltar. <laughs> and Eden is, uh, so is, uh, is the 60th of the world. They say Eden is the 60th of Eden with the gun. Now without the gun, it's a uh, 59th. In any event, the Mishnah continues. Now we go back to the rains in the Tefirah. Begimu b'mar hajvan, on the third of hajvan, shualim et g'shamim. That's when you start to ask for rains. That's when you would say, v'ten talo matal as we would say, "Baruch aleinu. Rabban gam Omer l'omer b'shva'abo. Rabban gam is, no, you actually started on the seventh of hajvan. Tet vav yom achar achag. Which would be 15 days after sukkot, so the pilgrims that came to Eretz Yisrael for the holidays, so they'll be able to get to Nahar Pirat before we start asking for rain. You know, the furthest person away can reach Nahar Perat, and we don't want it to rain before that because then the Nahar is going to swell and they're going to have a hard time crossing the river. And therefore, we uh, delay the rains in Israel till the 7th of Hajvan to wait till the pilgrims, uh, the, the, the furthest one, can get to, the, to, to, that, uh, to that area. Now, who are these opinions going like? According to some of the Rishonim, <coughs> that which Rabban Gamliel says Sheva'abu is following the opinion of Rabbi Yudah on the sugya that we learned above. Remember we had a three-way mahluk between the Bimi'ir, Rabbi Yehuda and Rabban uh, uh, Gamliel, exactly when do we start asking, and Rabbi Yoseh. It was Rabbi Meir, Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Yoseh. Exactly when are the rain periods? So we either said that uh, the rain periods are 3, 7, 17, or 7, 1723 or 1723 Rosh Chodes Kislev. So therefore according to this opinion bi-giml bi-marqayzvan shumit we can say that's following shitat rabim That the first time for the rains is the third of Hezvan. That's why the first rain period is the <laughs> should Follow suit. Whereas the Ban that says Shefrabo could be found the opinion of the Yehuda that says the first period of rain is actually on the seventh. That's why some of the Shonim uh, want to understand. Now, we should point out over here, uh, from our Mishnah it is Mashma that the beginning of Baruch aleinu, according to whatever opinion you're taking, three or seven, starts at night. Whereas when it came to Geshem, we said that it starts in the day, and it starts in Musaf. The Yerushalmi gave a reason for why it starts in Musaf. gave two reasons. One reason was, in order not to make agudot agudot. Because at night, not everybody comes to Beth Knesset. So we don't want half the people saying Mashiva Ruach, and half the people continuing Murida Tal. We want to wait till everybody's in the synagogue together, the musaf, Musaf. and therefore they made the changeover whenever everybody was there. If that's the reason, says them again, Abraham, we can explain why, Balech Alin, we have no problem of starting it at night. Because anyway, it's going to be Agudot, Agudot. Because in Erez Israel, they started on one time, and in Husla Aris, they started at another time. So you're never going to really solve the Agudot, Agudot problem no matter when you stop, because either you start in Shaarit or in, uh, the next day. You're still going to have half for Israel or whatever, part of Christ is saying it on a later date, and part of Christ is starting it early in Israel. So therefore the Agudot, Agudot cannot be solved, so we might as well start it uh, at, the, uh, at the night. That's one of the uh, understandings of again uh, Abraham, Now, regarding this 15-day calculation. 15 days from Eris Israel for the furthest one to get to uh, the Perat, The Rishonim over here make calculations. Eris Israel was 400 parasah. Even if you assume that Jerusalem, where all the pilgrims were, is at the center, so you have 200 parisah. It takes a person, a normal person could walk 10 parisah a day. So it should take... Twenty days to get to the border of Eretz Yisrael. Mm-hmm. So how over here it's saying that it only takes fifteen. So the Ran over here uh, on the mefalshim explain the uh, Ritva. He'll come along and gives a simple. He says sheim maher benoni asar yom. So you have to say they're walking faster than a normal person. That would say 10% so The person could walk. That's a, it's a regular guy. But if they pick up the pace, so they're able to be walk uh, quicker. Others want to say that actually they would walk at night. Mm-hmm. They would walk at night. So therefore, by walking at night, so therefore you're able to pick up some extra days. Now, you couldn't walk every day, has to be pointed out, because in two weeks, in 15 days, you're going to have Shabbatot. Let I me mean, fashion point that out also. On the Shabbat tort, really, you cannot go outside the, the tomb. So therefore, even if they took off on Shabbat, they would have to start traveling, uh, you know, the nights of the other days in order to make up for the distance they would lose on Shabbat. Hmm. <clears throat> that's the way the Don uh, understands. <coughs> okay, we continue. Amar bin Azar Halakha Kira Bangam Okay, Halakha faz that they start on Zayin Hajban, this mm-hmm. is referring to in the 80s Yisrael It's clearly said it All right. Until the last one can get to Nahar Pirata Even though this was said that the times of the Beit HaMikdash Halakha says that What was the logic that we didn't change it today, even though we don't have a Beit HaMikdash in places like this Borei Olam created the rain cycles in order to fit the pilgrims that went up to the Beit HaMikdash mm-hmm. so therefore because he knew that there's going to be these pilgrims that need to have time to get back to Nahar Pirat so he waited for the rainy season to start until Zayin Chajvan so even if there's no Beit HaMikdash, doesn't matter, that's the way Borei Olam created the rainy season even if there's no Beit HaMikdash, bottom line, seven Chajvan is the time where the rains are going to come Which means, God didn't change the rainy season after the Beit I was like, come earlier because we don't have an uh, issue. That's the way what Elk created it. Seven taking into account that there's going to be issues for the travelers in the times of the HaMikdash but that stays consistent even after. Tanya. Mm-hmm. Another huh? Hananya, Omer, right. Hananya said, bagoda, Sixty days after the Tikufah. Now, the Tikufa is the autumnal equinox. Oh. Yeah. Even though uh, the autumnal equinox happens sometime in the last week of September, this Gemara is not following that that day that we call the autumnal equinox, like September 21st or something like that. We're talking over here it's somewhere in the beginning of October. And the beginning of October you'll take 60 days. This is a solar calculation, incidentally, because all the Equinox follows the uh, seasons, and the seasons is the sun. Therefore, we could use the solar calendar. That's why we always hear that Barek Alin was said either on December 4th or December 5th at uh, night. Which means December 4th at night, December 5th at night. Because uh, some years the equinox can be a day later. And if we have to make that calculation, so that's in the Galut, okay? Now, when we say uh, the Galut, uh, that's Baveil. And Koytanashi, it's really everywhere. We're no egg like Baveil. And the Gebarah was talking about over here when it says, Shishim mitkufa is for Baveil. The Mahloka, that Amosli is okay. What about uh, America? What about uh, other places? Mm-hmm. So she Shishitatanashi is that Baveil is the example for all of Chutzlares. Okay, for example, uh, the Mikhtam brings down that the Jews that lived in Narvona, they would do it on Zayn Hajban. They followed the Erez Israel. Jesus, these instruments, no, this was Dafka for Babel, 60 days. Everywhere else can uh, follow uh, Israel. Right. The Mikhtam writes that the people that lived in Provincia, they were work like 30 days after the Tikufah. What's their logic? That's when they needed their reigns. So, so the Gebarat, that took 60 after the Tikufa that was tailor-made that was for Babel. That's what they need their rains. But to each country, each city has to judge it according to you know, when their rainy season starts. We follow on this: that Bavel is the example for all Hosares. Never we also know Hag 60 days after the Tikufa. Amarevuna berchiah Mar Shmuel Halakah kananya right Halakah fals hananya six days after the tekufa ini we have a contradiction in the Abba Omini and Shmuel. There's the question of Shmuel Me'emat Medkedinat V'tentar Lumatar. What do we start saying V'tentar Lumatar? Amadehu Mechim Me'ailye When they start bringing in the wood Lebet Tabut to the house of Tabut, that was his name Rishba the trapper the bird hunter there was a guy called Rishbah, the bird hunter. His name know. was There a guy called Tabut. He was the bird hunter. He was, he was Rishbah. He used to take in the wood at a certain time in the season into his shed. Because he knew it was going to start raining. So the geberah said, what do you mean? You tell me now, six days after the tikufah, well, we have a different uh, calculation. When, when Tabut, the bird hunter, takes his wood in, that's when you start. So the geberah says, who told you? Maybe that's exactly the same Sheura. Maybe you took it as words, 60 days after the Tegufas. You don't have a question. Yom Shishim, Shishim, Shishim. Okay. The 60th day, is it considered like before Shishim, or like after Shishim? Meaning, on the 60th day itself, do you say v'ten Talamatar or not? If you consider it like before Shishim, you don't. If you consider day 60, like after Shishim, you do. So, Geberach gives... Two answers. That's him. Rava Amar Yom Shishim Kila Achar Shishim. Of course. It's like after Shishim, and therefore you would say Vetein Tal Matar on that day. Usmeil Amar Yom Shishim Kedifne Shishim. It's like before, therefore you wouldn't say it. Now, how are you going to remember the Shitote? How you going to remember that, that Rav was the one that said Kila Achar Shishim, and that Shmeil was the one that said Kedifne <laughs> Shishim? So the Gemara says Amar of the Hamani. It's like Vesim Anach. Those that are living in the higher elevations need rain. But those living live in the lower elevations don't need rain. Where did the Rav come from? Rav originally came from Eretz Yisrael. So therefore in Eretz Yisrael, it's in the higher elevations. High elevations, they need the rain. So therefore, he'll say what? That the 60 is considered Kalahar. Started a day earlier. Shemuel, where did Shemuel come from? Bavil. I mean, they don't need the rains It's in the lower area Therefore we will say Shishim is Kilifne Therefore start by Rechalenu A day later So then we can remember Who said what Amar papa Hilcheta Yom Shishim Achar Shishim And then we do start on The 60th day Only question is now Where about going Starting the day of the Tikufa itself, is that counted as one, or do you start counting one the day after the Tikufa? Mm-hmm. So the So actually, Yom Tikufa is considered day one. Good? Mm-hmm. Okay, next verse now. Let's say it reached the 17th of Yardu and the rains did not start falling. The which the is going to is actually the They start the fast a series of three fasts. They eat when it gets dark, which means the fast does not begin until the morning. So they're able to eat and drink by night. They can work on these fast days. bathing, sicha, anointing themselves, wearing Sandal, wearing leather shoes. Tashmi marital relations. keslev. comes? and still it did not rain yet. So betin now decreased three fasts. Now on the masses, on the people. Again, they're able to eat and drink by night. So all those things are permissible. Now comes the Gemara and explains. (coughs) Now, it could be that the reason why uh, they waited until Rosh Chodesh Kislev, let's see which opinion we're following. Which means, if already by the 17th the rain doesn't come, so who was the Shittah of the 17th? That was Rabbi Yosef. Rabbi Yosef, 17, 23, Chodesh. So therefore, you can say that once the 17th came, and there's no rain, so now already we have to start uh, uh, fasting. But really, the more says to say that the the Sfang and Rabbi Meir. Because Rabbi Meir, that's already the third uh, period. And therefore, once the third period passes, 3, 7, 17, and there's no rain, so the Yihidim have to start the fast. Mm-hmm. So why is the next fast not a Rosh Shodesh? Because, to fashion explain, you have to give time for the Hadim to fast. Now, the, these fasts were done on Monday, Thursday, Monday. Now, let's say the 17th falls out on a Tuesday. So now the first fast is not going to be until the following Monday. Oh, wow. Okay? So that's me like on the 23rd. Then you have to give them time, so Monday, Thursday, Monday. So once the Yairim are able to fast, then already the Sibur is able to fast, that'll take you to the Shodesh, Keslev. So therefore the Mishnah is following Shitat, the Bimi'ir, in all scenarios... That the Sibur Fest will start on Rosh Chodesh, in the event that it did not rain uh, until that point. Comes mm-hmm. the says, "Man says, Who are these Yehidim that you're saying? That, that first, the first Amar Avuna, Rabbanan. They're the rabbis. Okay. V'aba Avuna, fest Monday, Thursday Monday. The says, What are you teaching? We learned it already. The Halakha says you don't start a series of fasts on a Thursday. Why? Not to cause a rise in prices in the marketplace. Because if you're going to put a fast on Thursday, then everybody's going to go to break their fast, they're going to go to the market to buy food. Now they're going to buy food for Thursday night for the breaking of the fast, and those are going to buy food for Shabbat. The vendors that are selling the food are going to think there's a famine. Because everybody's buying so much food, so they're going to, market, they're going to jack up the prices. So the Halakha says you don't start a fast on a Thursday. You start the fast on a Monday. By starting on a Monday, the vendors will know already that this is part of a series of fasts, and therefore they're going to know on Thursday night when everybody's buying so much, it's because uh, already it's the, they're in a series of fasts. They're not going to think that there's some sort of famine. Mm-hmm. So the Givara's saying, what do you have to tell me that you're starting the fast on Monday, Thursday, Monday? We know that. We learned it already. So the Givara's, I would have thought, I would when do you not start a fast, series of fasts on a mm-hmm. Thursday? Maybe that's a community fast. because already there's going to be Afqat there's a lot of people buying food on Thursday night, they're going to buy for two meals, the market's going to go up. Mm-hmm. But I would say, since the first fast, only the Yahidim is only the scholars, maybe not. That even the Yahidim, their fasts begin on a Monday. They start Monday, Thursday, Monday. Let's say one of those Mondays or Thursdays happens to be Eirosh Chodesh. So of course they will be Mepsiq. Which means any of the days that are written in Megilat Ta'ni. Megilat Ta'ni is a Megilat a scroll that has it in all the days that miracles happen to the Jewish people, that the rabbis declare them to be Yom Tov, and those days you're not allowed to fast. So therefore, if any of those days, when the Aharima fasting happens to fall out on a day, that's written in Megilat Ta'anit, so it says, in that case over there, they do not fast. A person should not say, Nah, I'm only a student. Any I'm not worthy to be considered a to fast on these, you know, first three. which means all students should consider themselves at least for this case over here like yahidi meaning they should fast. talmid. Well, what's considered a yahid and what's considered a talmid? So anybody that's worthy enough to be considered a panas the leader on the sibud, which means the Tosafur explains that a Yahid is actually somebody that can answer any question in any place that you ask him no matter where the students are asking he's holding in all of uh, Shas that's why he considered a Yahid Talmid veomer. He says, a Talmid, he can answer questions on his learning. So whatever Masechet he's learning, he's able to, to answer. <inaudible> that's considered a Talmid. <inaudible> of course, Yahid <inaudible> is <inaudible> So according to the simple explanation that even if the uh, student is learning Masechet Kala, which maybe is an easier Masechet, but he can answer questions of Masechet Kala, is still considered a Talmid. So Freud understands that that's going back on the Yahid. But even if the question is answered on second kalah, that's maybe not so so learned uh, that much. It's an obscure maseked. He's even able to answer on that. That's already a Yahid. So obviously the yachid is greater than the talmid. Taro banan. talmid The meir. How do you learn this statement? Not everybody who wants to make himself a Yahid can make himself a Yahid. Guy wants to come along and say, you know what? Regular guy. I'm going to fast these first three fasts. I want to make myself a Yahid. Mm-hmm. According to the first opinion, Gibran says, no, nah, that's a guilt. Hey, you're not a Yahid. Who, who, who do you think you're going to fast on these 1st uh, three? You're not a Yahid. You're a regular guy. Talmid osseh. Now, what does it mean, talmid osseh? But if he wants to make himself a talmid, he can. We're learning two different statements. Mm. He cannot do that. However, Talmid, if he wants to make himself a Talmid, also. now what is a, what is a Talmid? So, uh, mm-hmm. so that she tells us over here, like this, uh, this is the second explanation. And not everybody, that wants to make himself a Talmid, which means the Talmid used to dress in a certain way, they used to wear a certain robe, they used to wear a certain type of hat. They used to have a certain way of uh, of acting. Which means just like a person cannot make himself a Yahid, <laughs> he cannot treat himself like a Talmud either. Those are specifically for that uh, class of people. So again I read inside. Yahid <laughs> Talmid Ose, meaning, You cannot dress like a Talmid if you're not a Talmid. Let him do it, and he'll be blessed. Because it's not a praise. She says, I agree, when it comes to making yourself like a Talmid, it's a praise. You're dressing different way, you're putting on a different type of hat, so you can't make yourself more worthy than you are, you know, when you're praising yourself. However, when it comes to making yourself a Yahid, you're hurting yourself, because now you have to fist. So therefore, when it comes to the negative, you can elevate yourself to the status. So, going to the B.O.C. is arguing on the first statement. He owes Yahid, Oseh, but he agrees with the the Talmid, in osir. Good? right? It's a Sa'ar. Ta'an Ya'idach, lo'kon la <laughs> la'asot atzmoh Yahid Oseh. Yeah, when do we say that you can't make yourself uh, somebody that you're not? That's when it's praiseworthy. It's like a Talmid However, Saar like fasting or say, because that would <coughs> indeed be a Saar. Now, there's another way of learning this Brahda. Huh? We have to explain it as well not everybody can make himself a Yahid. According to the Bimiir, right? However, Talmid a Talmid can make himself a Yahid. Whereas a regular guy can't make himself a Yahid, because a regular guy to a Yahid is a big difference. So Lokul ehad. yahid Aval Talmid A can elevate himself to a Level of because he's already a talmid, so he can elevate himself if he wants to a yahid So there's two ways of learning. Either you cannot make yourself your regular guy; you cannot make yourself or treat yourself a Yahid, like a yachid, fasting. Nor can you treat yourself like a talmid the way. You dress <laughs> to be your you say will come along and say, "I agree with you." I agree with you by a talmid because by making yourself a talmid, it's a sheva, mm-hmm. uh, elevating yourself. But making yourself a Yahid it's hard because what are you doing? You're fasting, right? According to that interpretation. The guy was fasting for a certain tzara, uh, troubles that happened to Christ. And the trouble passed. let would say it was the middle of the fast. He started the fast already. Middle of the day, it passed. He fasted for a sick person, and the guy got better. He has to fast And he has to Complete his fast So I saw one of the fasting Give an explanation Which is double language Met'aneh U'mashlim It's talking about two cases One case is talking about He didn't start fasting yet He just accepted upon himself The fast And before he even started fasting The guy got better Doesn't matter Met'aneh The mashlim's talking He started the fast Now it's the middle of the day The guy got better Mashlim So it's about two cases A person goes from a place That they're not fasting to a place that they are fasting. Hmm. So he's got a fast with them. Wow. Which means he has to take on the stringency of the new place that he arrives. So we'll see. Let's say the opposite. He goes from a place where they decreed a series of fasts. To a place where they're not mit'anim So also he has to fast as well. Now look at the Tusa Photo over here. Which means once already he came from a place that they're fasting, they left. Even though he left conclusively, not coming back. If he's coming back, I understand. He's still connected to the place where he was. The of Tosafot is that once already you accepted upon yourself a fast in the town that you are. Now you moved permanently to another town, doesn't matter. Since you were there for the acceptance of the original fast, doesn't matter. You are bound as well. Shakah ve'achal ve'shata. Okay, person, let's say, with the Avad, he forgot, he ate. He went to one of these places, like the Meedi explains. Uh, he was supposed to take the fast upon himself with the rest, the rest of the Sibur. Uh, he forgot, and he started to eat. Al yitra'e sibur Which means he should not now uh, show that he ate in front of the Sibur. We don't want everybody's fasting now. You're oddball uh, now. You're not fasting. We don't want you to now show it in front of the Sibur. Uh, Okay, she says Now it looks like you're a hatan amongst the mourners Everybody's going to get jealous of you are causing yourself uh, now uh, People are going to get jealous of you are eating in front of all of them And further A person, that she says, shouldn't say Don't say, well once I broke my fist already Now I'll go uh, enjoy myself No how do we know that a person is really not supposed to stand out when everybody's suffering? You're not supposed to give the impression that if you're uh, that you're okay. Yaakov told his <laughs> children do not be conspicuous. When the Jewish people were in Yadish the Kiran, there was a famine. Everybody went down to get food to get to Misrayim. Yaakov and had Beracha. They had food according to the Gemara. So why did Yaakov tell his troops to go down to Egypt? Don't, don't be conspicuous. We don't want to show everybody that we're satiated. <coughs> in front of the Goyim, Because what are they going to do? They're going to resent us for it. And therefore, there's going to be trouble. So therefore, not b'fnei Aisab, and not Ishmael. And therefore, go down to Egypt just to show like where everybody else. So therefore, you see what? You're not supposed to stand out. Al-Tirgizu. bad Yosef As-Saddik, when he told the brothers to go back home, to tell Yaakov that he was alive, he tells them, Al-Tirgizu. Now what does this word mean? Literally mean do not become anger, rogiz. It could mean oh, agitated, agitated, agitated <laughs> upset on the way home. Amar bi al Yosef yahab halakha. But was really telling him do not get involved in halacha. In the study of Halakha on the way home, shemme gaz al because you might lose the road. Which means, I want you to get home fast. You're going to start talking Halakha, what's going to happen? You're going to become so engrossed in halacha, you're going to get lost. I want you to get home as quick as possible. we have a contradiction. bar shnei 2 scholars that are walking on the road. Ve'en b'nehim, the V'etorah, Ve'yuhim, the sarif. If they don't speak the V'etorah, they're worthy to be burnt. They were sure. walking with the they were talking. There was a fire that separated between the two of them, but the fire did not destroy them because they were talking the Torah. Oh. Because they were learning. The fire would have consumed them. So what is you see movie, how can Yosef tell the brothers, hey, don't learn Halakha uh, on the way home? Just get home quickly. What do you mean? If scholars are walking home, they have to study the Vre what type of learning which means don't go deep because when you're going ayune, then you're going to get caught up in your learning and you lose the road. However, the migras you have to, which is superficial learning, talking and learning for sure you have that, but to go into the Ayun that's not advisable on the road. Another interpretation of Al-Turkizuba was he was telling him, do not take large strides. And if you're going to have to stop off at night to sleep somewhere, enter the city by day. Please don't enter the city at night. We'll see why. Why should he take big strides? The Rashik explains it in a different place. It's talking about more than the Amma. She's more than strides that are bigger than, let's say, a foot and a half to two feet. Taking large strides uh, affects a person's eyesight. It can take away one five hundredth of a person's eyesight. So Tosfut asks a question Does that mean if a person takes five hundred steps, he's going to go blind? Says, uh, we see that that's uh, not so. So Tosfot wants to say in one answer that it's residual, meaning the first is a, a five hundredth of what you have. The second step is a five hundred of what's left over. And then the second, third one is a five hundred of fourth uh, questions, he says, but that doesn't make too much sense because you tell me that the first step is worse than the second step. The first step, you lose more than the second step. So why should the second step be less than the first step? So Tosfot says, I don't have a problem with that, because we have a statement that says, Kol hathalot kashot. That all the beginnings are more difficult. Uh, or, Tosfa wants to say, no, that really only the first step <coughs> you lose. The subsequent steps, he says, kevan de dash dash. Once already you got used to it, you got used to it. So therefore, Tzumah is every step Affect the eyesight or just the first step Affect one five hundred and all the other uh, Secondary steps Do not affect anything And he tells them Make sure you enter the city by day Why? A prince should always leave the city What does kitov I mean? That's another way of saying it, by light Because when it said in the Torah So the or is called kitov. So it says, the person should leave the city when it's light. And what's the presumption? It was the morning, and Yosef sent the people. He waited until the morning. Now the question is, what's the logic over here? Simple logic. We're worried if the person is going to. Enter the city by night, number one, if he's not familiar where he's going, he's going to fall into the pits. He's going to fall into the into the ditches. He doesn't know exactly where the, uh, the potholes are. Number two, the concern is that he's going to put himself subject to the robbers. Because again, since he's not familiar with the place, so when he goes at night, now it's dangerous. Third explanation, that the people in the city are going to suspect them as... Spies. And therefore, do not enter the city, but enter in the day, and as well leaving the day for the same reasons. a person that's traveling on the road, Yoter, He should not eat more food than is normally eaten in years of famine. Which means that says that in years of famine, a person, is, even if he has food, he's supposed, to, he's supposed to eat the bare minimum. So they're trying to tell you, don't eat a lot on the day that you're traveling What's the reason? In Baville they explained it because, because of what it's going to do to the intestines When a guy eats a lot before he goes So the intestines are going to pour into each other It's going to give him a stomachache. ache He's going to have uh, problems with his uh, digestion Because I guess the walking causes the food To, 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 to adversely affect him In Erish they explained said no The reason why they don't want you to eat so much uh, on the road because you're not going to have any food left. You've got to ration it in you know order to get to the, uh, to the place. So the Gemara says, benayu. What's the difference between these two uh, answers? When you want on a boat. Now, if you want a boat, you're not going to have the problem of Ma'yana. Because you're not walking. Yeah. You're just sitting uh, still. So then you, technically, according to the reason of uh, intestines, no problem. But according to the reason, you're not going to have food. That makes sense. But both, of course, there's no uh, stores. So therefore, if you eat all your food before you go, you're not going to have anything for later. Therefore, you should ration it. That'll be enough coming out between the two answers. Inameh, the kazil me'avna, me'avna. Which is, let's say you're going from village to village, where there's stores on the way. So according to the first reason, that says it's because of... Intestinal problems, I don't care if you're going from village to village. But when you're walking. The walk, if you eat a lot before you walk, it's going to cause you intestinal problems. But if you go according to the fact that you're not going to have food, here I'm going from village to village. I'm traveling on a road where there's stores. So I'm not worried about rationing because I'll always have food. 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 Comes again says, La papa, call parsa u parsa, every parsa that he traveled, hadar rifta. He ate one loaf of bread. Hmm. So the says, what do you mean? How, how do you eat one loaf of bread? I thought we were supposed to ration uh, Because of the intestinal uh, problems <laughs> He held The main reason is the intestinal problems However, the papa was obese And therefore Since he was very big It wasn't a problem for him to eat that amount of uh, food, his body was able to handle it. Look at Rashi. Rashi says, (laughs) He wasn't worried about the intestinal noise. Because he had a big stomach. Right? He was able to hold his food. And therefore, he wasn't worried about rationals. because he didn't hold of that reasoning. Therefore, he ate a lot on the road itself and was not concerned about the adverse effects.